for joining us for another episode of the Scranton Talks podcast. Are you an aspiring filmmaker? Do you love film? Or are you new to filmmaking? Scranton Talks is the podcast for you. It is full of inspirational, informative, and fun talks with other filmmakers about their projects and their journey. Scranton Talks is part of the independent film creative hub based in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Hosts Luce Cabrales and myself, Desiree Zelensky, founded the independent film creative hub, which is geared to help filmmakers reach their potential in becoming successful creative artists. And I'm so glad you can join us again for another episode. Um, just a couple of announcements that are filmmaking related. Uh, if you have any films you want to submit to any film festival, the Northeast Pennsylvania Film Festival is accepting submissions right now, as well as the Jim Thorpe Independent Film Festival. If you go on filmfreeway.com, be sure to search for both of those film festivals and be sure to submit your films. I know I'm on the Northeast Pennsylvania Film Festival Committee, and we would love to see your work shown at the festival in April of 2024. Also coming up is the NEPA Horror Fest, presenting 13 short films on Saturday, October 14th, starting at noon at the Circle Drive-In in Dixon City. That'll be a good time. They just had their Horror Fest about a month ago, I think. And it's always a great time at the Circle Drive-In, so be sure to check that out um, and look for tickets as it gets closer. But for today's episode, uh, Luz Cabrales and Tony Susie had a wonderful conversation with Joe Dane. Uh, Joe Dane has been an actor, UPM, line producer, producer, executive producer, film and distribution executive on various independent films across all genres. He has overseen the structure of financing, development, acquisition, and production of various award-winning projects, including the Berlin International Film Festival official selection, Gardens of the Night, starring Jillian Jacobs, Evan Ross, John Malkovich, Tom Arnold, Kevin Zeigers, and Jeremy Sisto, and the Glad Media Award-nominated film Geography Club, based on the best-selling book. In 2016, Dane, along with his fellow Sunrise executive Jim Clock started the indie distribution label Terror Films, followed by a sister label Global Digital Releasing in 2017. Between 2016 and 2019, Terror Films has quickly become one of the fastest growing indie horror distribution labels in the industry, with films in over 50 countries across 20 platforms and growing. Global Digital Releasing has distributed TIFF and BAFTA winning films, among many others. Joe continues to focus on building the distribution labels while working diligently with his team to continue to create a filmmaker-first distribution model unlike anything available in the indie market. So Tony and Luz had a wonderful conversation with Joe Dane, and here is that episode. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, we're in another episode of uh, Scranton Talks. Uh, today, uh, Tony Susie joins us uh, as guest host. Thank you, Tony. Uh, glad to be here. And uh, for those who don't know me, my name is Luz Cabrales. I am the co-founder of the Independent Film Creative Hub, as well as the founder of Scranton Films, uh, where we try to foster young creatives and filmmakers, anything, anyone who wants to join uh, and be part of the filmmaking community. Uh, and we have this show to inspire and motivate filmmakers, those who are just starting out and those who are veterans in the industry. Uh, Tony, uh, thank you so much. Uh, do you want to do a little update on what we've been doing and just where people can find us? 
Sure. Yeah, we're very excited to bring you another episode of Scranton Talks through our social media platforms and through our independent film Creative Hub Network. Make sure you sign up at ourcreativehub.com to stay up to date on local projects and connect with local filmmakers, as well as collaborate on projects together. Remember, this community is for you guys, so only you can help us grow. So sign up today. It's free and it's super easy. So it's really exciting. Thank you, Tony. And today we have a very special uh, episode uh, with Joe Dane uh, from Terror Films. Uh, he is going to talk to us a little bit about his journey as a filmmaker, as, as an industry professional, as well as uh, his uh, distribution company, Terror Films. For those looking to uh, or are in the middle of making their film and they uh, don't know where to take it next or how to get started as far as getting that uh, film distributed and just uh, getting it out into the world. Uh, we are making some art and we want people to see it. Uh, and this is after all a business as well. So kind of how those two things are going to mix. Uh, so Joe Dane, we're gonna bring him in and uh, here he is. Hey, Hi, how are you? Okay. Good, good. Thank you so much for being here and taking the time uh, out of your busy schedule to uh, talk to us more about your uh, creative journey. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I, I'm, it's a pleasure. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So we're going to uh, try not to take too much of your time. Uh, so we have a couple questions, but anything that can pop up, uh, you just let us know. Uh, I'm sure people that are going to be watching this show uh, will benefit uh, from this conversation. Absolutely. So we'll start it out with that. Uh, you have been an actor, UPM, line producer, executive producer. I mean, you've done pretty much a lot of the things that are in the industry, uh, yes. but and you're also a distributor. Uh, yes. te but tell us more about just kind of how you got started in the filmmaking industry or entertainment industry. Sure. Uh, well, many, many, many years ago, <laughs> um, the acting bug initially bit me and um I was lucky enough, I ended up going to the High School for Creative and Performing Arts um, here in Philadelphia, where I met some incredible people and was lucky enough to actually find a talent manager. And at the age of 19, me and a couple of friends picked up, packed our bags and moved to New York City. Uh, I went to a conservatory for uh, several years and uh, was lucky enough that I got signed by a decent agency. I was working. A job actually took me out to... Um, HBO movie actually took me out to uh, Oklahoma and then I ended up moving to Los Angeles and uh, I and I keep coming back to saying that I was lucky I worked I, I worked in TV movies I, I worked in HBO movies I, I worked in, in you know episodic um, but one of the things that I kept sort of finding myself coming back to was was this fascination with how all of it came together and you know being you know a young actor who was sort of booking these jobs and coming to set and you know, going into my, my dressing room and then stepping out and seeing all of these people and these these trucks and the cameras and the equipment. And I, I really was so fascinated by that part of it. And so um, I started to really kind of lean in that direction. Uh, and I started doing any kind of little, you know, crappy job that I could get. Um, student films, short films, PAs, you know, anything where I could sort of be involved in the physical aspect of the, of the business and start really learning it. And then I was very lucky. I, uh, you know, I say lucky is, you know, right place, right time. And I'll, I'll talk a little bit about that in a second, because I believe there's constant, there's constant opportunities in front of us. I just think that we have to be aware of them and sort of walk through the doors. And sometimes, you know, an opportunity is presented to us that doesn't necessarily look like what we think it should look like. 
but I'm a big proponent of, you know, take the risk, walk through the door because you never know where it's going to lead you. So a, I had, I had three opportunities um, when I was about my mid twenties. Uh, one was to take a job uh, in the mailroom of a, uh, like a top tier five agency. One was to take a job in the mailroom of a major uh, movie studio and the other one was to take a runner position at an independent uh, horror film company uh, called Full Moon Features. And now there might be people listening to this who know that. It's a very iconic company. It's been around since the 90s. The Ghoulies, the Puppet Masters, I mean, they've launched you know huge careers. Some of the biggest people working in the business started their career at Full Moon Features. Um, and I thought to myself, well, I'm not really interested in the corporate side, you know, the big agency, the studio side. So I took the job as the runner. And essentially, as the runner, I I had an opportunity to kind of work with every department. It was sort of like a mini studio. They had everything from, you know, their own in-house video sales uh, to marketing to legal uh, to graphic design. Uh, they were sort of a one-stop shop in that sense, you know, in the micro-budget space, um, obviously. But I found myself getting to get familiar with things a lot faster than I would have had I taken a job in, in, in a mailroom and probably took another year, year and a half to work my way up to being an assistant for some you know, horrible executive that was going to scream at me all the time. So I, <laughs> I seized on the opportunity with the idea of, okay, let me get what I can out of it. And I'll move on when the time is right. And I remembered when I got that job, the, um, the woman who was the office manager at the time had been with the company for about a decade. And I remember her specifically saying to me, why are you here? And I said, well, I, I'm interested in, in, you know, working for the company. And she was like, well, I just want you to know you're not going to move up. There's no opportunities here. I've been here 10 years and I, I'm still the office manager. And I thought, okay, you know, listen, that, that is what it is. I'll, <laughs> that's fine. I'm not going to be discouraged by you. Um, and oddly enough, uh, I've been there about six months. When the uh, person who was the head of video sales at the time called me into his office, and his name was Devin Hamilton, great guy, I'm still friends with him today. And he said, "What are you doing here?" I said, "What do you mean?" He goes, "I looked you up." He says, "You're an actor." Now I had just come off of a soap opera, actually, <laughs> and and I had some decent credits, and so he was sort of like, well, "I don't understand. Why are you the runner here?" Like, what are you doing? I was, and so I explained to him, you know, what I was interested in doing and what I was interested in learning. And he says, okay. He says, well, he goes, the company just gave me money to finance a film I wrote that I'm going to direct. And what do you think about being the lead in the movie? And I said, well, I'll tell you what, I'll be the lead in the movie if I can co-produce the movie. And he said, and he said, deal. Now that movie was a goofy little, uh, just sort of comedy horror called Delta Delta Die, uh, starring uh, Scream Queen uh, Julie Strain, and uh, it was a blast. Uh, not only was it a blast, the film actually went on to sell uh, a ton of units. And so I'm going back and I'm dating myself right now. This is back when when Hollywood uh, Video and Blockbuster Video were sort of keeping independent companies that alive with large purchase orders, right? Um, that not only led to me being involved with the next couple of films that the company was producing, I actually got promoted to the in-house um, unit production manager. And within two years, I was their head of production. And so for five years, I ended up overseeing the entire slate of films, had formed my own company, 
uh, in order to garner production credits, which was a deal that I cut with the president of the company at that time and got everything out of it. And I'm sure certainly giving you a truncated version of that journey. Um, but my point is, is that I, I, I seized on an opportunity to learn and to take advantage of a situation and every turn a new opportunity sort of presented itself to me and I jumped on it really with this idea of like, I don't know where this is going to take me, right? I don't know where this is going to take me, but I have nothing to lose by trying this and jumping into this. And, and, and I was always of the opinion of, you know, sort of that fake it till you make it kind of thing, that idea of like, there was a lot of stuff I had to learn along the way that I didn't understand how to create budgets. There were just things I did not know, but I learned them, right? I went out of my way to learn them and ask, I wasn't afraid to ask questions. Um, it wasn't, there was no ego involved for me in saying, how the hell do I do this? Uh, <laughs> show me so I don't completely screw it up. And I think that that really continued to serve me. And then after I, I left Full Moon uh, for a while, I ran my own shingle called Shoot Productions, which uh, was the label that was also getting credits with Full Moon. I turned that into a full service production entity. Uh, I went on to do a couple of strange partnerships and a couple of different companies. I produced a lot of sort of independent content um, that took me really all the way through until about the end of 2010 when I ended up uh, joining a company called Sunrise Pictures. Now, at the time, uh, the company was going through a transition. Um, they were sort of changing management, all this kind of stuff, and they needed somebody to kind of see through um, a few details on, uh, on a handful of their films. And so at the time, my, my production company, Shoot, had its own consultation division, so we were able to come in. While the company was so happy with what I did that when they were going through the transition, they thought, well, hey, we need somebody here that understands physical production understands finance. And so I ended up joining, they made me an offer and I ended up joining them as their head of production and finance. Um, and I oversaw films, um, different parts of it. So the, the, that company produced movies like the, the whistleblower with Rachel Weiss, um, that Samuel Goldwyn Studios, but not in theaters in 2011. Um, we did a movie uh, called father of invention with a huge cast, including Kevin Spacey when he still had a career. Um, we did, a a movie uh, with Lifetime with Kate Beckinsale and Nick Nolte, with Charles K. McCall. You know, we had our hands on a lot of different things and, um, you know, mostly sort of elevated art house uh, content to be perfectly frank. And around 2014, um, I had pitched the idea of producing a handful of micro budget horror films under the banner. Now, for this company, it was really a business decision. You know, I, I said, look, we can make these movies. Uh, we don't need movie stars. We don't have to spend millions of dollars. And, you know, it's a good business decision because I have background in horror and I understood the sort of insane fan base that was horror. Uh, we really thought it was a great idea. The CEO of the company, he loved the idea, did not love the idea of putting horror films under his art house banner. So uh, Jim Clock, Jim is my business partner, and I'll, I'll talk about him in a second. But at the time, he was the head of, of acquisitions and development for Sunrise. So we kind of went to the to the you know powers to be and said, "Look, we think we should not only start another label and finance these handful of, handful of, of micro budget horror films. We should be a soup to nuts operation. We should become a distributor. We should really move into the digital, specifically the digital distribution space, which." was really starting to kind of get its legs at the time. You know, Netflix was the monster. Amazon, of course, you know, companies like Showtime had been around. HBO had been around. But we were starting to see kind of a trend, right, with, with some of these other platforms. Um, and having lived through the rise and fall of blockbuster and Hollywood video, 
I sort of thought, well, listen, we're going to see something happen in the digital space that's going to, I think it's going to shift distribution. So they agreed and we formed Terror Films. And we, between the end of 2014 and early 2016, we financed and produced three original horror films. Uh, the Chosen, Patient 7, and Trace were our three originals. When we launched the distribution label, which was the end of uh, 2016, it was with seven movies. So three originals and four we had acquired up to that point. And then what happened is that something occurred that, you know, none of us could have planned, which was that three of the films really took off. And uh, two of them were our originals. Uh, the Chosen, which at the time that Netflix cared about this, they don't care about this anymore. But at the time we had an influencer in the lead who had like 4 million followers. Um, and so they actually ended up licensing that exclusively for two years, that film, which for a small little horror film, no names, was, was a pretty significant deal. Um, and then uh, our other original patient seven, um, we had acquired all these incredible, incredible short films from filmmakers all over the world. And we sort of ended up with kind of a, we were going for a theme, but then we ended up with sort of a hodgepodge of different films. They were also great. We were like, what the heck do we do with this? So we, we had a wraparound written uh, to sew them all together. And uh, by the time that was done between the wraparound and the short, we had like Michael Ironside, Alfie Allen, Grace Van Dien, Amy Smart, Doug Jones. We had like this like ridiculous, you know, cast of, of characters and, and, and com comprised of these short films that were just such a cut above as far as their production value. And so all of the horror outlets, the big horror outlets kind of just shine a lot of love on us. Um, and then there was a little film, uh, a little found footage film um, that nobody wanted because everybody kept telling the filmmaker that found footage was dead. And that film was Hell House LLC. And for the horror fans out there, uh, for the indie horror fans, you're probably going to know this film because it turned out to become one of the most talked about, covered, coveted kind of cult status straight to digital independent horror films in probably a decade, if not more. Um, it spawned. Uh, two more films, and there's actually a fourth, uh, an origin story that we're going to be releasing uh, in October in a partnership with Shudder. Um, so we were in the spotlight, I think, very quickly uh, as, a, as a distributor, and it wasn't just the, the, the attention that we got from those films, but it was also because we're a company comprised of filmmakers. So the team that runs the company, um, we've had it all, acting, writing, directing, producing, casting, editing, you name it, we do it, we still do it. Uh, uh, my business partner, Jim Clock, uh, who heads up the acquisitions development side of uh, Terror Films, um, works all the time as an actor in pretty significant stuff, uh, big movies, big TV shows. He actually has two films that he's written and directed that are under our, our horror label. He's got a documentary coming out under our sister label. Uh, our head of marketing, she took off about six months ago because she did a little crowdfunding and raised the money for her horror film that she shot that we're going to put out. So it's, it's, you know, it's really in our guts. We still do it. We're not just a bunch of goofy executives sitting around, you know, thinking we, we understand distribution. We really wanted to do something different and, and especially in the independent space, because you just don't see the, the kind of support, uh, for independent films in in the traditional distribution space. Um, they're just not doing a whole lot for these films other than sort of just dumping them onto platforms. And, and we really wanted to build brands. Um, which we do our sister label because what happened was we got so much attention so quickly, we started getting dramas and comedies and documentaries submitted to us. And we were like, well, we can't take these because we're a, you know, we're a company. <laughs> uh, so, you know, went to Jim and I said, well, Jim, you know, what do you think? We, why don't we start a sister label? And he was like, sounds great. And I was like, Let's, we'll just, 
kind of mimic what we're doing, but we'll, we'll open it up to, you know, other genres outside of horror. And, and that was the birth of global digital releasing, which officially launched in May of 2017. Um, so almost a year from the time that we kind of launched uh, Terror Films. And we recently made a decision with that company where we're really just focusing on documentaries. I mean, we've got some incredible foreign films and uh, art house films and different things like that under the label, but we've seen this kind of really intense um, um, just growth in our documentaries. And so we really thought it would make sense to shift gears and focus just on documentaries and become, you know, more of a focused niche company, a lot like Terra Films is and, 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 and really sort of, able to stand uh you know alone in in versus being caught up in kind of all the competition that's out there with mid-level distributors taking on all kinds of content so that's kind of a little bit of a of the of the journey in a, in a nutshell i know there was a lot <laughs> but uh you know uh, i i've always been somebody who just showed up um and was always eyes wide open for any opportunity that i think might be something to grab onto and, and, and take me somewhere. And, and I never, I never allowed myself to sort of get in my own way about, about, you know, Oh, I'm only going to do this or I'm only going to do that. And I am waiting until this happens. And I think that we can be our own worst enemy, especially in this industry, which is incredibly unforgiving. And, and honestly, some level doesn't give a crap about you. Right. And, but I think that being said, we're in such an interesting time now. I mean, I'm going to be 51 and there are things now available to filmmakers that they didn't, didn't exist even in the slightest way when I started in this business. One of those things is the accessibility of cameras, the accessibility right. of editing software, right? Um, these things that when I started were tens of thousands of thousands of dollars are now, I mean, listen, the fact is that everybody's got a camera in, in their hand, right? I mean, our iPhones can shoot 4K for Christ's sake. So, you know, we're, we're, we're at a time where filmmakers have really no excuse to not create content. Not only do they, do they have the accessibility of, of cameras and, and, and software and everything at their fingertips for next to nothing, you also have access to social media. You can create a YouTube channel to put out content. You also have aggregation companies. The birth of aggregation companies really came from a need, mostly from the major platforms, to say, hey, look, we can't facilitate all these direct partnerships with all the content companies, right? Mm -hmm. um, and what those aggregators did, a couple of them got smart and said, well, yeah, we'll service all of the studios for the platforms, but you know what we're also going to do? We're going to open up a filmmaker division. So if somebody comes along with their own little film and they want to pay us some fees, we'll go drop it on the, the platforms for them. So aside from now, not only having access to set up your own channels, shoot your own content, you have the ability to go and place it on major platforms like Amazon, like Tubi, like Apple without a distributor. Right. Um, and, and, and I, I talk a lot about this and not because I, I, I am ever trying to talk us out of business. Right. Because um, I certainly believe we bring things to the table that help elevate content. But it's important for filmmakers to understand that they have options and that they have choices yeah. and they have access to the film industry in a way that did not exist even 10 years ago. So when I hear any filmmaker bitching and complaining about anything, I want to tell them to shut up and <laughs> do your homework 
and write something and shoot something and get it out there and stop making excuses. And don't worry about maybe, maybe, maybe the first thing you do is going to suck. Maybe the first <laughs> five things you do are going to suck, mm-hmm. but don't go anywhere unless you start trying and unless you start putting things out there and unless you start taking a swing at it. And the other way to do that is to surround yourself by like-minded people. Go out and find those people that are trying to do the same thing. Maybe you're a terrible writer. Go find somebody that's got a script, right? Go find a way to be creative. Maybe you don't have a lot of money for a budget. Find something where you could shoot at mom and dad's house or your aunt's house or your uncle's house or, or, or listen, I mean, go, go rent an Airbnb, right? Go, go find a way. There's a way. Go crowdfund, right? That's another thing that's happening today, you know, at a rate that people aren't really paying attention to is crowdfunding's out there. And there's a lot of people in, in the space <laughs> that are happy to donate, right, to, to an independent film uh, maker. So, excuse me. <laughs> so to me, it was it was a much harder journey for for someone like me in my time frame than I believe that it is. And, and, and I don't mean to say that it's not difficult to forge a career. 100%. I mean, it certainly is. But to be able to go out and shoot something and put something together and put it out there for the world and get credits and get experience, that's easier than it's ever been. It's easier than it's ever been. And there's, there's literally zero excuses for filmmakers to, to, today. You don't need to go. This is something I always upset uh, <laughs> parents because a lot of times I'll speak at actual like high school. Uh, oh, I, just right. actually, I just actually spoke at, uh, for the city of Philadelphia. I spoke at the Senior Success Seminar for Seniors. And it was specifically to the student body that was um, uh, in, in schools that had programs, that had vid- video and television programs. And mm-hmm. one of the things that I talked openly about was the idea that, that you didn't necessarily need to go to college to have a career in the entertainment business. And in fact, what I always try to tell people is that, look, just because you go and you graduate from some incredible film school does not guarantee that you're going to get a job. And in fact, a job may be a minimum wage job as an assistant in some, you know, situation whether you're like a PA or whether you're you're a director's assistant or whatever it is so I'm always trying to educate people on this idea that you can just go out there and do it you can go out there and do it I'm not I'm not saying don't go to film school if that's your passion your journey it's not to say that you won't learn from that mm-hmm. but I always like to sort of make sure that they understand that this is the only industry really in my opinion where having a degree from the best school in the world does not guarantee you a career or or a job as a director, as an actor, as a producer, as a screenwriter. It just doesn't matter. Nobody in the studio system, nobody in, 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 the, in the independent finance space is saying, hey, where'd you graduate from? You know what I mean? <laughs> it's just not, I mean, it's just not a reality. And that's the truth. Um, and so I always say that unless your intention is to go through the corporate ladder um, you know, work your way to be a studio executive or something like that. <coughs> but even then, those those people are usually starting at the very, very, very bottom level, and they're coming out with a hundred thousand dollars debt, and and you know, from from right, from right. And, so, and I like I like yeah. how you put that uh, without interrupting you. Just the way that you know, in your experience, you were sort of maybe not necessarily working where you needed to be at that time, but you were acquiring relationships, you were meeting new people, you were sort of opening up a new way of doing things that you didn't even know. Um, So I like that uh, idea of filmmakers, you know, sometimes we we feel that I'm not where I need to be. But I think that, uh, you know, the way you're saying it, we're learning 
something different in every in every position. Um, well, one thing you just said that because sure. let me tell you something. You're never going to feel like you're where you need to be in this business. That's the I think that's one of the things about this industry in particular is that you know I've had friends um, on both the executive side and in the creative side who you know got that great position or got that movie you know got that opportunity and then it was about okay well what's next what's next what's next and i think that that's one of the most difficult things about this business is that there, there's a sense that you're you're never quite satisfied you never feel like you've quite done it all or or you feel like you could do better and you're only as good as your last project or your last job right so that's that's a that's more of a personal challenge that you kind of have to deal with um I would definitely say for the first time in, 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 you know, my career, you know, although I didn't know what the journey of going into suddenly becoming a distribution exec was going to mean, I knew that I had enough experience and enough understanding about distribution as a producer. I had been on that side so many times and I knew what a disappointing distribution model looked like. I knew what it, I knew what I felt like when I felt like a distributor wasn't doing what I hoped, wasn't giving my film an opportunity. So I at least knew enough from that perspective when it came to starting, you know, kind of the the, the structure of the label. And but I but I had to learn as I went. The truth is, is that I, I'm I'm happier now than I've ever been. I I I wish I could say that I miss producing. I used to love it. I used to love physical producing. Might be an age thing, right? I mean, you know. Like I said, I'm in 51, and so I think that you know it's it's hard work. You know, uh, producing's hard work, especially if you're uh, uh, the type of producer I was, which was was soup to nuts. I was I was always on the ground. I was I was involved from you know every aspect from financing to production to creative to post. So I was a very hands-on producer. There are different types of producers, but I was I was sort of the guy who was always involved all the way through. Uh, there was certainly a time that I loved it, but I just don't think I have the, I personally don't think I have the energy for it anymore. <laughs> but right, right. again, you know, I just think that, I, I guess, I, I guess really the big note that I would want any filmmaker watching us to walk away with is, is get off your ass and just do something. You have no excuses. You can make excuses for yourself. You can, you can certainly put up your own roadblocks. We all do in our own lives, right? But the truth is, is that the only one getting in your way from making something is you. Now, look, maybe you want to make a 500 million, you know, crazy big blockbuster movie. Awesome. But you got to start somewhere. You got to start somewhere. Well, go shoot something. Right. I just read something. It was a few weeks ago. I cannot. I'm going to blank on the kid's name. Anyways, uh, it was YouTube. He had a YouTube channel and he was making this kind of really cool sort of sci-fi um uh, little movies and he, and he was doing his own effects and everything like that took off was getting millions of views and he just got a movie deal with age 24 he's 19 years old okay oh this, yes i think i heard about that yeah. yes no, I'm, blanking on his name. I'm blanking in his name maybe 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 look it up and you can add it some text or something at some point but that just goes to show you, here was a 19-year-old kid just going out there just doing it. He's like, you know what? I'm just going to shoot stuff. I, I, you know, he learned, you know, visual and special effects. He was putting this all together himself. Launched my YouTube channel. It took off and got the notice of Hollywood, right? Now, lightning in the bottle? Absolutely. Uh, not common. But the point is, is that what if he just 
decided, oh, this is too hard, or how am I going to do this, or who's going to watch it? No one's going to watch it on YouTube. Like, he could have made a lot of excuses for himself and did nothing. But he didn't, right? He just did it. And now he's got a movie deal at 19 years old as a, as a, as a, as a, as a creator and a director. So my point is, is just opportunity is there. The tools are there. Um, just do it. Just do it. Yeah. That's perfect. That, that, That's perfect. And go ahead, Tony. I know yeah. you wanted to gear a oh. little bit. Yeah, no, so that being said, I mean, it's wonderful we heard the kind of history of, like, terror films and stuff, and, and hearing that, like, you get a lot of film submissions about distribution, I'm sure you get a ton of those submissions, and they're not quite ready for distribution from up-and-coming filmmakers or people who are still learning. So what's the best advice for someone who's looking to either submit a film to terror films or to look for distribution? Like, what's the polished edges of something that's submitted that you're, like, automatically look for and say? oh, no, it's not ready, or, oh, that's something you might want to move forward with. Is it execution-based or character story? What What is the, not criteria, but what's what's the special sauce that you look for for something? Just sure, like, no, interesting. You know, well, you know, honestly, it, it, it shifted because, you know, Jim, um, my business partner, who, who really is the guy who gets all the submissions, he's the one who watches every single film that comes in, and, and he's the one that, that then brings them to me if he thinks it's something that we should consider taking on. Um, you know, one of the things that Jim and I had to learn very quickly in the beginning is we had to kind of remove our personal taste uh, from the process. So that was that was sort of our own lesson. Right. Because, you know, we 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 realized very quickly, hey, wait a minute. It's not for us to say hey, what we think is a great movie, because the truth is, is that nobody knows anything in this business. It's all educated guesses at the highest level. Um, so it got sort of stripped down to this very sort of like, OK. Does it have a clear beginning, middle, and end? <laughs> uh, is it shot well? Is it acted well? Um, you know, some very basic boxes, honestly, because, you know, do, do we feel like uh, it, it fits into a subgenre under horror that makes sense for us? Is there enough good footage for us to put together a great trailer campaign? Um, so things like that. It honestly started to really get that simple for us. Um, right. Where the idea that we just kind of would say, hey, we're going to polish it up. We're going to be a great trailer, great poster. We're going to bring on a PR team. We're going to launch it out there. We're going to put it on all the platforms. Um, and at some point, you kind of have to hand it over to the audience at large, right? At some point, it just, yeah. it's, 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 you know, it's, it's no longer yours. It's no longer the filmmakers. Um, we do everything we can to get it out there, get it seen. But I would, you know, my best advice to, to filmmakers would be take a look at the boxes, right? And in the sense of like, is it a cohesive beginning, middle, and end? If you're that new and you're not sure, why don't you hold a little screening um, and not of your family and friends, um, of people that don't know you, and get a little feedback, get a little honest feedback, right? Uh, is your is your story resonating? And I'm not talking about you have to go out and rent a theater. I'm saying invite 10 strangers over your living room, right? <laughs> and, and you know, or, or friends of friends that don't necessarily know you that are going to give you maybe some honest feedback and, and, and play it and, and see what, get said, see what the reaction is. Um, you know, but also at the same time, just because you submit a film to us or any distributor that might pass on it, doesn't mean that you need to accept that you're not going to be able to get your film out there, which is why I always bring filmmakers back to aggregation companies, right. you know, like Bitmax or like Premier Digital. Um, there's a, Juice is another one. There's a few of them out there where you can you know, literally pay them a service fee, like a per platform fee. Some of them take, sometimes they'll take like 10% of royalties, but you know, they're going to get it out there and then you can start promoting it across social media. 
make a few bucks, at least say you got a film out there. There's so many ways to go about it. So, so even if you're finding that your film is getting rejected, don't don't take that as as you're not going to have any way to, to get your film out there. And look, and there's I have no filmmakers who sometimes just say screw it and they drop their film on YouTube just to get it out there, just to put it out to have their right. content out there in the world. Um, but it is it is important to be uh, to be able to have the ability to be a critic of yourself and of your work and step back and be able to say okay. How does this look? Did I shoot this well? Is it edited decent? How are my performances? You know, um, and it's even okay if you come to the conclusion that you made a piece of crap, right? It, it's really okay, but you know what you did? You made something, right? You, you finished <laughs> make it. Make the next one better. Yeah, you, you saw it through. So make the next one better. Learn from your mistakes. Figure out how you can improve, right? Um, and the truth is, too, even with with learning how to shoot, learning how to light, there's tutorials out there on everything today, right? Like, like you don't have to even go to school anymore for like you can learn how to edit on your laptop, right? From watching tutorials online, I mean, there's just so much that you can do today, which is why I keep coming back to filmmakers not really having excuses to not do something. Budget shouldn't be an excuse. Listen, if, if if money's really an option, really a problem, or you don't think you can crowdfund, maybe you tried to crowdfund and it and it, and it didn't get you anywhere, um, decide to make a found footage horror film, right? Mm-hmm. Like a scary ass location that you can get for dirt cheap or maybe absolutely free, and wrap a story around it, and figure out how to to to, to build in the found footage aspect to it and make yourself a, a found footage horror film. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of a lot of people take that as a, a way to be lazy. Uh, I'm going to argue that because uh, some of the scariest movies we have under our banner are found footage films. But that's because they were executed in a way where there was still a good story. There was still some good scares implemented, right? Um, and so, again, there's just there's so many ways to get it done. Um, that there really should be no reason. And even saying, I, I, I don't know how to do something. Okay, go learn it. Or go find people around you in your community that are also interested that maybe know something that you don't. Again, surround yourself by like-minded people. Go figure it out together, right? Go figure it out together. Go screw it up together, but get it done, right? Who cares? Get it done. Get something accomplished. Get it under your belt. Learn from it. We don't learn anything unless we try it, right? We, 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 and I know that from my own experiences. I mean, I mean, there were times where I was put in a position to do things and I was like, I had no friggin' idea. But of course, I wouldn't say that to who I, you know, I'd call somebody, I'd be like, hey, listen, I just got, I know you know how to do this. You need to tell me how to do this because I need to not look like an idiot, right? So <laughs> you, you can't, that's a big thing. We got to get our ego out of it, right? Get your ego out of the way and just jump in. Don't be afraid to screw up. Don't be afraid to ask questions and just get your hands dirty and just do it. Just do it. I can't, I can't emphasize that enough. Just do it. That is just perfect advice. And I think everybody needs to hear this. Uh, when we put it out there uh, on the air, I want to make sure that we emphasize those words. Just do it. 
and get out there. And I mean, you've said it, uh, we have uh, the technology now uh, and we have the outlets uh, to make it happen. Um, so what I'm going to do now is uh, because we're coming to a little bit of our time. Uh, can people find you online? Um, I do have our terrorfilms.net. Uh, is there anything else where they can uh, maybe they're ready with their film and they want to see uh, and get a shot at it uh, and see what happens? Uh, how can they submit those films to you? Absolutely. So if someone were to go to our website, uh, there is actually a uh, submission link. And so what happens is that when they um, go to the page, they'll see exactly what we'll ask for. It's typically just a, a screener link. If they've created a trailer, we'll ask for it, a little synopsis, a little poster. It's just really the basic, you know, uh, materials. And then what happens is that uh, when they submit, those emails end up uh, uh, going to Jim. And so Jim is the one who gets all of the content and reviews it and then circles back to me. Um, on whether it's something he thinks that we should consider taking on as, as a distributor. And at that point, I sort of engage with the filmmaker and then, you know, we get into things like the terms and, and how the model works and all that good stuff. So, but yeah, it's, it's, it's fairly simple. We're very accessible. We're, you know, we're all over social media. I mean, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, we're on TikTok. I mean, we're, you know, we're out there as a brand. Um, we're easy to find too. We, we're very, at least the, the horror label, we're very involved in the community. So we sponsor a lot of, you know, independent uh, horror film festivals. We're going to be at Midsummer uh, Scream, uh, which is one of the largest horror conventions in the country. Uh, we're going to be there at the end of July, which takes place in Long Beach. Um, so we're really involved in 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 the horror community uh, in that sense. So you know, uh, we keep a, a full page uh, ad in, in every edition of Scream magazine which we promote in all the time. Uh, we do a lot of uh, paid digital ads with, with, with companies like Lou Morgue and Fangoria. So it's not hard to find us, to be perfectly honest. We're, we're one of the very few true uh, independent horror companies working in the digital space that's really out there. And so, you know, a, a lot of people have come to know us in the space. So. Very, very cool. And I think uh, you said it, filmmakers first, uh, and you do, uh, it looks like uh, the model of your uh, company is doing that. Uh, so I really do appreciate your time today and uh, you taking that um, just to talk to us. And I think we're going to get a lot of that. Uh, I'm going to get ready and, you know, get motivated. And I hope someone watching out there is doing the same thing. Um, Tony, uh, do you want to close out the show? And then uh, we'll just... Um, this is just, uh, I'll, I'll close it out on online once I edit it. Uh, is there any, um, Joe, any any videos, anything that I can use later on just to show throughout the live stream? What do you mean as far as? Like if there's a trailer or anything that I can, I didn't want to put videos first because I didn't, I wasn't sure if, if you had something that I could. Oh, I mean, I, you know, it depends on what you want to show. I mean, I actually have a, uh, I have to send it to you. I mean, I actually have a producer reel. Uh, okay. That, Okay. Uh, if you wanted that, um, you know, but certainly you could you could pick any of the trailers from from uh, I got we have promotional trailers from from our company we could we could share whatever you like it doesn't matter you just let me know and and we get over here. All right, perfect. Thank so you. what I'm gonna do, yeah. uh, Tony, if you could just do the closing for that, uh, that yeah. way I have a clean, and then um, we'll uh, we'll call it a day for this particular one. Yeah. So, yeah, thanks so much, everyone, for joining us on this edition of Scran Talks. And thank you so much to Joe for joining us and setting aside the time. We really appreciate it. Uh, we have some wonderful, event, wonderful events coming up, uh, so be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram to stay up to date. Subscribe to our YouTube channel to see any of our previous talks. And we also have this in podcast form on multiple platforms, wherever you get your podcasts. So you can just listen along instead of watching if you prefer that. 
And uh, you can also see all or listen to all of our previous talks as well there. So, yeah, feel free to message us if you'd like or uh, like to be on the show. We'd love to share what your journey is and, uh, you know, with our with our community and also your community, too. So the uh, independent film creative hub is for you geared to help filmmakers reach their potential in becoming successful creative artists. So be sure to visit us at ourcreativehub.com. Join our directory. It's free to sign up. So, you know, that's a wrap and we'll see you on the next episode. We appreciate it. Yes, thank, thank you so much. Have a good thank day. Have a good day. Thank you so much again for joining us for another episode of the Screen Talks podcast. And I hope you enjoyed your time with us. Be sure to check out our website, ourcreativehub.com, to stay up to date on all that is happening and sign up to our filmmaker directory. It's free for you. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook to stay up to date on any events that we'll be having in the future. And if you miss any of our live broadcasts for Scranton Talks, you can check them out on our YouTube channel. And be sure to click that subscribe button. So we hope to see you again soon. And that's a wrap.